All right, Venture, it's great to see you today. Some of you I'm seeing in the room right now. Some of you, we're seeing you online, and I'm grateful that you have chosen to worship together with us as well. So, uh, let me piggyback a couple of things that you just heard Jenny say. I'm, I'm excited about the season that we're stepping into right now in the life of our church. We've got some cool things coming up right around the corner. You heard her talk about worship on the lawn in two weeks, Labor Day weekend, that Sunday, I believe it's the 4th of September. If you're in town, join us. Invite somebody to come with you. That is a friend event. Uh, you heard her say this is for everyone. Uh, that's a great opportunity to invite somebody to come to church with you in a very non-threatening environment. We're hanging out outside, and especially if it's a beautiful day, we'd love to have you join us for that. And free cone ice, come on. One service, 10 a.m., there's nursery, no kids, men, because it's a family-style service. We want everybody outside enjoying, uh, enjoying that day together. I look forward to seeing you there then. And then the next Sunday, we kick off, you heard her say just a bit ago, our spiritual growth journey. It's called One Life, the idea being that you have one life to live. Are you investing wisely? So who's the one life that you're investing in right now? What we're aiming to do during that seven weeks together, the church, all on the same page at the same time, raise the spiritual temperature of the spiritual discipline of evangelism. We're inviting us to look outside the walls of our church. Who do you know? Hashtag Hoosier One, if you were around this past fall. We're kind of revisiting that idea. Here's the thing. It's going to be incredible. If you're not in a small group yet, you need to be in a small group. I would dare you. I would challenge you. At least taste small groups. For seven weeks, join us. Be a part of that. When the service is done, there's a seat in the seat back in front of you. There's a space where you can sign up to be a part of a small group. And when the service is done, run. Don't walk out here into the lobby. And take that card. Give it to Jake Harp, our discipleship pastor. And uh, if you've got questions about, specific questions about small group, he can answer those for you and, and uh, get you connected into a group. That's going to be important. And let me just say something real quick about that topic. Week one, we're going to give an overview. 9-11 kicks off, September 11th. The second week of the series, so don't miss week one. I'll be preaching. I suppose you could miss it. Don't miss week two. Have you ever wondered, what do people think? Maybe somebody who has not yet crossed the line of faith, has not yet decided to follow Jesus with their life. You ever wonder what they're thinking? What do they think about God? What do they think about Jesus? What do they think about the church, about us? Well, don't miss that week because we're going to ask them. We're going to have a panel of folks up here that uh, have said, yes, they'll come and be a part of that. We're going to ask them honest questions. They're going to give honest answers. You don't want to miss week two. You don't want to miss any week of that series as we unpack those truths together. It's going to be great. I'm excited about it, especially that week two. That's going to be a Sunday like no other. Okay, if you're a guest here today, I'm so glad that you're with us. I'm going to invite you to listen in right now. But those of us who call Venture our church home, we need to take care of a little bit of family business. I'm going to invite Jimmy Scott up to the platform with me. Jimmy, would you come out here and join me on the platform? Jimmy has served as our student ministry pastor for 15 years, 15 years. Jimmy's got an announcement to make. Yeah, 
Evan really led us well this morning when we sang, you know, his presence is an open door. God's presence is an open door. That's exactly where my family has been over the last 18 months. Uh, the leadership here at Venture has been walking with me on a journey to look for the open door of a lead pastor role at a different church. And last Sunday, I turned in my resignation to the leadership here at Venture to pursue a lead pastor role. So I wanted to read my resignation this morning uh, to you guys. For the last 15 years, my family and I have received one of the biggest blessings of our lives, a chance to serve the Venture Christian Church community. Venture has been home to our family. My kids, Rowan and Karsten, have grown up here. Shelly and I have found lifelong friends here, and we have had the privilege of working with so many incredible students, families, and youth coaches and, and staff. When I reflect back, I'm amazed at God's goodness to us and your goodness to us. We will miss all of you deeply. However, I must resign from the student pastor position at Venture to pursue the opportunity to be a lead pastor. This announcement, it comes with a wide range of emotions. We're excited for the kingdom work that God has in store for us in the future. Our top priorities of family has been and will be to continue to follow him. But we're also grieving the fact that we have to leave a place that we care about and where our family has been loved so much. Please understand that this decision has not come lightly, and in so many ways, we are trying to honor God. The same God who brought us here many years ago is now urging us to move on, and it is our desire to be obedient to this urging that is calling us away. So thank you for all the ways that you have blessed us. There's not enough space in this letter to write all the ways that this congregation has blessed my family during our time here. I trust that God has some amazing plans for you in the future. So may God bless you as you move forward in the Lord and know that venture will always hold a special place in our hearts. Before you go any further, can I just cut in and say, there's some bitter sweetness to this moment. I get that. 15 years is amazing. As a run, in a run as a student ministry pastor, that is amazing. Can we just celebrate that together as a church family? Yeah. I, I've done this moment, what you're doing right now. I know there's some bitter and some sweet to it. Talk a little bit more. Yeah, so I'm going to correct some terminology because we've been saying Northeast Tennessee, but I've been told from a very credible source that it's Upper East Tennessee. So a couple dudes who grew up north of the Mason-Dixon line have been messing that up all morning. Say it again. What do you call it? Upper East Tennessee. Yeah, see, I would never have come Upper up East with that. Upper East Tennessee. Yeah. So that's where we're headed, Upper East Tennessee, Appalachian Mountains. Uh, it's gorgeous. Uh, this church where we're headed to is kind of situated on a main thoroughfare through town, and it sits up on this hill. We literally get the opportunity to be a light to the community, a, a city on a hill, and we are going there to partner in the ministry that God is already doing there, and we're excited. But as we've already said multiple times, it's bittersweet because as I look out in the audience and see specific faces, I see... You know, moms and dads of students that we've invested in, there's adults now that are serving in our church that came through our youth ministry, and it's, um, it's bittersweet because of the family that we are leaving, yeah. but it's exciting because of the kingdom work that God's calling us to. 
bittersweet's a good word. And uh, we feel loss, but I know there's gain on the other side of this equation. Uh, Jimmy is a great student minister, student ministry pastor. Uh, he's got to be a great lead pastor. I've gotten to serve together with Jimmy for the last three and a half years. I see wisdom and I see leadership acumen. This church that he's heading to, um, in a good way, they don't know what's getting ready to hit him. If it feels like we've been vague about where that is, he kind of gave a region, it's because they're announcing to their church today his news. And next Sunday, you're going to be there kind of preaching and encouraging them, and they'll get to meet you face to face. So would you be praying for Jimmy and Shelly Karsten and Rowan as uh, they make this transition. Can, can we pray toward that end right now as a church family? If you're comfortable, would you, would you even extend your hand toward him? Let's pray over this transition that they're stepping into. God, we take a deep breath, and we recognize that uh, you lead and we follow. Lord, uh, there's so many things as we step out into the unknown that we just trust to your care. So God, a man who is faithful to his call, you've called him to a life of serving you by serving the local church. As he steps into this new role, new opportunities for leadership, new spaces to lead out in, and a church that needs him. I pray that you use him in powerful ways. I, I pray that same prayer over his whole family. And I just pray in front of all of the details that a transition like this, including moving and things like that, that happen. I pray in front of it that you open up the doors that need opened up. And as they choose to follow you, Lord, lead them, lead them well where they're going. And it's in your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we one more time celebrate Jimmy and the Scott family? Yeah. Love you, brother. So let me just say this. Uh, there's a couple of weeks here uh, gearing up for this. We're going to host a open house kind of celebration party, if you will, uh, to celebrate them well. And uh, mark your calendars for that. It will be the 4th of September, uh, 3 to 5. So come to Worship on the line, Lawn, and then come back, and we're going to party it up and celebrate them down in the Student Center, 3 to 5 that afternoon. And uh, today. Grab him in the lobby and, and love on him and encourage him there and celebrate with him there. So let me, let's catch up. This is week three of this Becoming Us series. The first week we talked about vision. If you were here, perhaps you remember I had a bino harness. We're looking through binoculars, talking about future things to come because we talked about where we're going. Last week, Last week was all about community. This is who we are. High call to action, action step to get into a small group, be a part of good, authentic, healthy community that's growing you as you grow others up. Again, I want to dare you, challenge you. If you're not in good community, if you're not in a small group here yet, don't leave today having not taken that action step. Grab that card on the seat back in front of you. When you leave today, make sure that gets turned in. You want to be a part of that. I dare you, at least for seven weeks, to be a part of that. This week is all about our future. I hope by the end of our time together today, even the announcement that we just made, we're going to talk about 
our future. As Jimmy said, we've had 18 months to create a runway and a healthy transition, and I'm excited. I'm honestly genuinely excited about where God is taking us in the area of next-gen ministry. I'm looking at the back right now. I know we've got a bunch of students that are here in this service because we didn't want them to miss out on this family moment as well. And so typically they're down doing their thing. They came down to be a part of this. I'm excited about this generation of ministry as we think about the next generation of leaders in our church because today we're talking about our future. Next week, don't miss next week, we're going to be talking about the mission God is calling us on, and this is what we're doing. We're going to roll up our sleeves, be a part of what God is calling us to be a part of doing here. All right, today I want to talk to you about the value of next-gen ministry. We've got a couple creative ways we're going to do that. But first, can I invite you to simply react, to feel all the feels in this, react to this quote. Check this out. The church is only one generation away from extinction. What do you feel when you see that? How many of you have seen the newest Jurassic Park movie? I think it's like number 800 in a series of Jurassic Park movies. One of my boys was home from college a few months ago when it was, had just first hit the movie theaters. He's like, I wanna go see this, you wanna go? Yeah, we grabbed some other kids. And we were like the last people to buy tickets in the movie theater, so we watched the whole movie front row like this, horrible crick in my neck by the time it was done, action-packed movie, kind of silly. I don't know if I would go see it if you want to see it. We don't know what happened to the dinosaurs. I mean, maybe it was the worldwide flood we read about in uh, the Old Testament of our Bible. Maybe it was some kind of an asteroid. I, I don't know, but something cataclysmic happened and dinosaurs are no longer with us today, except chickens. You know, those are a leftover dinosaur, those evil little birds. The the church is only one generation away from extinction. I don't like that phrase. I react to that. I showed a picture a few weeks ago of a whole bunch of cups. Let's put that back up on the screen. You've got the classic, is the cup half empty? Is it half full? And I shared with you two weeks ago, and I would repeat it today, as far as the church is concerned, I'm an eternal optimist. I don't see an empty glass. I see a full glass because I've read the end of the book. Jesus wins and he uses his church and he's been doing this for generations. He's been telling a story for a long time and he's using his church toward his end. So I don't like that. The church is only one generation away from extinction. That's a very pessimistic way of viewing the importance of what we're talking about today. Let me rather spin it like this. Through a cup half full lens or all the way full lens. I like to say it this way. The church is only one generation away from revival. You know what that word means? Revival? A turning, a returning to Jesus, a a whole culture saying, Jesus, I follow you, I give you my life. The church is only one generation away from incredible revival. And what if? What if? What if God were to choose to use this space to spark a match? What if God were to choose to use us to spark a flame One generation away from revival. And I look at a group of students that's sitting up there right now. I look at this generation that will be the next generation of leaders in our church, and I'm an optimist. 
I see God doing amazing things in and through them. Here's a true statement. God is redeeming the world one generation at a time. This idea of God moving through generations, it's a pretty important concept for us to wrap our brains around. He's been talking about it for a very long time. I could point to a whole bunch of different places in Scripture where we could go and we could study this idea together. But right now, could I invite you to grab your Bible and pull it out? If you want to grab the Bible that's underneath the seat back in front of you, I'm on page 582 of that Bible, page 582. If you brought a Bible with you or if you've got a smartphone, go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. This is the second longest psalm in Scripture. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole thing, just the first few verses. Psalm 78 talks about the value of God working through generations. Check this out. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. The author here, who was a contemporary of King David and King Solomon, he was a bit of a prophetic worship leader of his era. He says, lean in, listen to this. I'm about to drop a truth bomb on you. I will open my mouth with a parable, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. By the way, that verse I just read. That gets quoted later in your New Testament Bible. Jesus is teaching by using parables, this powerful way of teaching. In Matthew, in chapter 13, he comments on that, kind of legitimizes this strategy of teaching by referencing and quoting this passage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, verse 35. Let's keep reading. Things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. God's been telling a story through multiple generations even up until this point. We will not hide them from their descendants. People who came before us, we, you won't be able to shut us up as we talk about the truths that they passed down to us for future generations to absorb as well. We're going to talk about this stuff. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. He doesn't stop there. He casts vision, then it gets a little darker. He says, he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. You can read about this in the law of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They're supposed to do this as they're walking down the road and as they're, they're just doing everyday life. They're supposed to tell their children about what God has done, how he's shown up in their lives, so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. This is the goal. This is the value of next generation ministry strategies. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn, gets dark, and rebellious generation. Because they did shut up. They did keep it to themselves. They did not invest in next gen ministry strategies. Let's keep reading whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. We, will, we do not want to be that. Real quick, can I point out to you, some of you who've been around the church for a while, maybe you grew up in a church environment, there's an old hymn. I bet as soon as I say it, you recognize it. Great is thy faithfulness. I bet you could even recite the lyrics to that song. Great is thy faithfulness, because God is the hero of the story, right? 
I mean, all through Scripture, it's not the wicked or the, the stubborn generation from previous that the psalmist is referencing here. They're not the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story. Great is thy faithfulness, God. Let me show you real quick three ways God has been faithful. He's been faithful to and through previous generations. Let me ask you this. Who in the previous generation was instrumental to your faith development? Maybe your preacher, your youth pastor, your parents. I could tell you story after story about my home church, people who invested in me when I was sitting on the back row of the church service myself. People like Rosita Jenkins, a gal named Brenda Popham, who's actually in the worship service right now. She was my uh, youth, uh, choir, uh, youth coach, and she directed my kids, my, my student choir when I was a kid. Beth Farwell taught me Sunday school classes. Alan Shue invested in me as an older man of faith. My youth pastor, Doug Maris. My senior pastor, Frank Bush, baptized me when I was a sophomore in high school. I could go on and on. My parents invested. There were all kinds of community of faith that came around me and grew me up in the faith, and I am forever grateful to a previous generation of faith. There's a danger zone here, though. There's a danger zone that we have to avoid. Have you ever spent time with a dude who was the high school quarterback, and he's stuck in that era of life? Constantly looking backwards and, oh, these were the glory days. This is when things were actually good. And no, 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 we're optimistic. We're looking forward. We're not stuck in the past because God was faithful and God still is faithful. And God will be faithful. And by the way, do you remember the Billy Joel song, Keeping the Faith? There's a line in that song because the good old days weren't always good. There's some truth in that as well. Can you imagine speaking of previous generations and God's faithfulness? Could you imagine if they didn't teach their generation about Jesus? For example, what if the Apostle Paul didn't take the good news and take it elsewhere? When God said, I want you to get on a ship and go somewhere and tell them about me, what if he said no? How would that impact future generations. Praise God, he was faithful. The call on his life when God said, I want you to go, he went, and I get to live downstream of that, and so do you. God's faithful to previous generations. God is also faithful to, get this, this generation. We have a purpose for our time, our life right here and now for this generation. I snapped a photo. I've shared this with you before in my office. I keep a verse there next to my desk where I'm working to remind me of the purpose of my life in this generation. And it's right next to a thing that my wife Dawn put in there uh, a year or two ago. And every once in a while she comes in and switches it out. Right now it says, I love you more than cake. That's good. I'm so grateful for that. Just a couple of months ago she snuck in there and she wrote, I love you more than Matthew McConaughey. What are you trying to say? All right. Now, I snapped this photo for the slides for this message on Thursday, and then I snuck in yesterday, did some work yesterday, and I don't know who it is in our church that thinks they're funny. That startled me yesterday. Way to go. You're funny. And can I just say this? Three times this morning, at least three times, I was in my office by myself here early before people got here. That startled me at least three times this morning as well. If you don't know this, I, I, I kind of despise clowns. Um, they're just creepy, right? I don't know who did that, but you, you got me. Here's the verse 
All of those are distractions. Here's the verse. For when David had served God's purpose, not his purpose, God's purpose, for who? In his own generation, God called him for a purpose for that specific time. He did the same for you. After that, he fell asleep, he died, he was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. Kind of a cheery life verse, right? You have a purpose today. You have a time. You have one life to invest. How are you going to invest it? This generation, what's he calling you toward? Can you imagine what would happen to people who served their generation if they didn't reach the next generation for Christ? What if Billy Graham had not been faithful to the call that God placed on his life? God is faithful to previous generations. He's faithful to this generation. And last but not least, he is definitely faithful to next generations. I overheard There's a strategy that we're going to talk about today, and Joy Fell, who serves as our children's pastor, shared this with our staff team on our all-staff meeting on Wednesday. I heard her say it, and I was like, hey, put that in words. I love that. I want to reference that in the message today. So here's the quote. This is what she said. We want our parents to be passionate about training up their child in the way they should go. That's a quote from Scripture. Not just giving them experiences and exposure to one type of religion. Some people have this idea that if I just bring my kids to church, well, the church, they'll do their job and they'll tell their kids, my kids, about Jesus. And I don't really need to do that. No, 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 That's not the way we view this adventure. We view mom and dad as the primary discipler in their child's life. So how do we invest in resource in you for you to do that well? That's the whole strategy that we're aiming at, we're talking about today. We're teaching our children absolute truths, and that is very countercultural. This is what we're aiming at. We're going to spend the rest of our time today unpacking that thought uh, with a kind of a creative uh, way to do that here in just a minute. We're going to sit down with a bit of an interview. But before we do that, could I couple the announcement that Jimmy made just a bit ago? He told you that there was about an 18-month runway for this. Could I invite Jake Smith to come out and join me on the platform as well? You guys know Jake. He grew out his mustache just for this moment. (laughs) Jake's a Timothy of our church. He grew up here at Venture. And um, so we've had the privilege of ramping up for this. We've been able to do some planning behind the scenes. This almost might feel strategic. Um, I don't want to say we exhausted a nationwide search, but we did look around a little bit and discovered that the very best person to fulfill the role of student ministry pastor is right here. This is your new, yeah, yeah. I'm super excited about where we head from here. Jake, you're going to be incredible in this role. Many people know this, but um, you actually grew up in the church here, and Jimmy was your youth pastor. And there's kind of a, if you're a Bible student, a Paul-Timothy strategy that's been happening here, which is really cool. And uh, you're awesome. You're going to be great in this role. I know you've got the respect of our students. I know that you were an incredible student leader in our church yourself, and you've done an amazing job here on staff four years now? Four, yep. Yeah. Anything you want to say? Um, this is a dream come true. Um, the first dream was to work with Jimmy, and this was definitely the second one. So, man, I'm so pumped. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, I'm going to ask you some questions. Say welcome again. You grab a seat. Joy, you come out and grab a seat as well. We're going to just have us a conversation. And boy, you got a, you got a great uh, cup right there. So somebody, you know, wanted this to be what they donated to our mug wall. And I just wanted them to know that we as a staff use this a lot during the week. So thank you. Can you see that? I don't know who donated it, but it's please come toilet. tell me later. It's drinking Evan's of, favorite mug. Drinking out of the toilet bowl. There's something there. All right. So I want to ask you guys some questions and uh, unpack this a little bit more. Um, I did student ministry for like 12 years back in like, well, the Jurassic Park era, uh, back with dinosaurs. This has been like late 90s, early 2000s. And back then, everything was extreme. Like, you know, we're, we're doing um, extreme. Uh, everything in student ministry had the name extreme in it, I guess. And we played these games, and my, my kids uh, that now are adults used to tease me about these big epic youth ministry games we would play. They always had to have lava in them or some kind of a death element. And, and uh, we, we played another game called Two Truths and a Lie. Did, did people still do this? Is this? Okay. We're going to play Two Truths and a Lie. So uh, which one of you wants to go first? I'm a good liar. Here we go. You're... <laughs> the mustachioed man wants to go first because your new student ministry pastor is a good liar. How does that sit with you? Good. All right. So, uh, all right, two truths and a lie. That might be a life skill for a youth pastor. Okay. So, two truths and a lie. You know how this works. You're going to throw three things out here. We're going to vote on this, so you decide which one you think is the lie. Ready? Hit us. Okay, so the first one is that I got a ticket for jaywalking. The second one is that I have one kidney. And the third is that I absolutely believe with all of my heart that Tom Brady is not the greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL. So... You're, uh, well, you're pandering to the home crowd with that one, right? Because there are some statisticians around the country that would push back on that statement. Most of them don't live in Indianapolis. Yeah. Well, I have stats for them. So. <laughs> I'm going to be upset if I've worked on the hallway for me for a year and I didn't know that you only have one kidney. So, I'm very curious. Okay, so uh, ticket for jaywalking, one kidney, pretty boy Tom Truth. Brady. Yep. Okay. All right, so how many of you think the first one, jaywalking, is the lie? Let me see your hands. Okay, all right. How many of you think that. Uh, I have one kidney. One kidney. How many of you think that's a lie? bunch of hands on that one. How many of you think, Tom Brady, that one's the lie? All right. Oh, this is pretty evenly split. Which one's the lie? I have not gotten a ticket for jaywalking. So he's a good liar. That was good. But I did get pulled over on my bike the other day, and not a cool bike, my bicycle. Um, didn't get a ticket, but that yeah. was a new experience. Fun story. Uh, before the first hour, I greeted uh, a local, one of, one of our finest uh, police officers was here in the lobby, and as I looked at him, I realized he pulled me over uh, a couple of years ago, and was so gracious, uh, did not give me a ticket. Um, so, two I, truths and a lie. You're a good liar. Well done. All right, let's go. I've never been pulled over, so of the three of us on the stage, we can just say, I've never broken the law. So. If I were playing this game, I would, <laughs> I would lie by saying I've only been pulled over once. <laughs> 
Um, my right. two truths and a lie. I had to think really hard to make my life exciting for this. So here we go. Um, the first one, when I lived in Africa, part of my time there, I took a trip to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. The next one is that I have been ziplining in a Winnie the Pooh costume. And the last one is that I have helped remove a snake from a coworker's belt loop. Oh, we hope that one's the lie. All right, so Kilimanjaro. Yeah. This is uh, one of my life goals. My brother climbed Kilimanjaro. I'd, I'd like to do that myself. Uh, Winnie the, the Pooh zip lining? Mm -hmm. A lot yep. of details yep. on that yep. one. Yep. Interesting. Uh, and a snake. Are there, pictures? Are there pictures for any of these? There's, there's a picture of at least two of them. So a coworker has a snake in their belt loop. All right, you know which one's the lie? How many of you think it's the first one? Raise your hand. Kilimanjaro, okay. How many of you think it's uh, Winnie the Pooh zipline? A few of you, okay. How many of you snake, belt loop? Yeah, several of you think that's the lie. Which one's the lie? I have never climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. My husband has, I, but I have in a church, been ziplining across the sanctuary in a Winnie the Pooh costume, and I have, in fact, had a coworker worked at a zoo whose a snake got stuck in his belt and had to remove that in front of like 200 junior high students. So that was fun. I have so many questions uh, following up all of those. I don't even know where to start. I picture you in a zipline. I, I, that, that's fun. Uh, the, the zoo you worked at, is the world famous Columbus? Columbus yep. Yeah, Jungle Jack, Hannah. He was not there for this moment. He was not the one with the belt. No, the, no. Okay. And what kind of snake are we talking? Black rat snake, about five foot long. All right. So y'all are welcome for that image. Some of you will dream about that with a nightmare tonight. You're welcome for that. All right. You guys are good liars. Welcome to our next <laughs> gen you. ministry. Good thing team. we're in ministry, right? <laughs> All right. So, uh, both of you, I want to hear you uh, answer this. What is a memory that you have growing up? You both grew up in good, healthy churches here in a church on the north side of Columbus. Um, give us a memory that you have that impacted your, your spiritual journey, who you are today as a result of what they've done. So the first thing that I think of is all the opportunities to serve, um, especially with Tony and VBS, um, maybe even I was a small group leader for Route 56 at one point when I was in high school. And on mission trips, we were given a chance to serve both you know, with the people that we were working, but also just with our team that we were going with. And so every opportunity that I had to serve, I tried to jump on because I just felt like it was so important to be the hands of via Jesus, and that was a you know goal that Jimmy had, and that a vision that he gave us to really put our faith into action. And so, when I think about my life, when I think about where I am today, you know, the opportunity to serve, to practice what we were learning, was so important in my spiritual walk because it just really made me who I am to want to continue to do hands and feet ministry in the local church and really fell in love with the local church through serving and being in the kids ministry as a high schooler. And it sure doesn't escape me that it worked. That strategy worked, right? We've got um, Jake here full-time doing what God has called him to do and he's passionate about and he's gifted for and that that's birthed in the context of healthy serving ministry here in our church. That's cool. Joy. Yeah, I couldn't think of one specific memory, but when I was thinking back in all my time growing up in church, I just kept feeling this feeling of family. 
And I think for me and probably for my siblings growing up in a church as the preacher kids, we had people just pour out their love on us as a community. They brought food to us at times when we couldn't afford our own. They've come to weddings and funerals and births at the hospital, and they've just always been there. And there's a specific core group of adults that I can think of that poured into us spiritually and just made church a safe space, and they were a safe space. And it wasn't even just my parents. I had this other group of adults that I, I did come to in difficult seasons to talk through big issues of faith when I just didn't know where to go. And I, they are the reason that I'm, I am where I am. Well, that's, man, we should have interviewed you last week when we were talking about the power of community. That absolutely has power. We are shaped by our community, and that has had a lasting effect on you. I love that, and that's a great word picture as we're aiming at what we're trying to, we're a church family, and we want to be uh, great at that here adventure. So what are we talking about here? As we talk about um, next-gen ministry, this-gen ministry, what do we mean when we talk about a next-generation strategy? Define that. Define that for us. So the next-gen vision, the strategy is to try to synchronize, to try to get everyone on the same page, both in kids' ministry and student ministry who are either small group leaders, teachers, and even students on this vision of spiritual growth that's continued in every developmental phase that a child will go through. So from birth to 18, how are we as a church not just having kids' ministry do kids' ministry things, and then student ministry picks it up when they get to seventh grade. How is it from birth to 18 that we develop them, give them tools and resources in the phase that they're in to continue to grow them spiritually and to see them um, just have these moments in life that they can look back on and know that's where I grew at this point and this is what shaped me, just kind of like that question you asked us. Yeah. Would you say anything different or add to that? Or? No, I would definitely just echo it's, it's just something that allows us all to be so much more intentional with the time that we do have. We were blessed to have Tony and Jimmy set such a great foundation, and they started this next-gen work years ago, and we just get this great privilege to continue it on, and we're really excited. So part of the strategy here, if you didn't catch that, maybe there's a word picture of, you know, traditionally a lot of churches have a children's ministry, and a middle school, high school student ministry. And oftentimes there's a bit of a, even a dropping off point there between the two. Because you've got a different silo here and a different silo here. What we're aiming at is the word picture would be kind of a blending of those two. You guys um, function more through a lens of team than individual silos. We want a family ministry strategy, birth to college. How do we walk with a mom and a dad? How do we resource them well? And how do we love on their kids seamlessly birth through college? That's kind of the family ministry strategy that we're aiming at. Anything to add to that? Or? Okay. So why is next-gen vision important for where our church is going? Super important because I think our students here, I say this all the time, you've probably heard this if you've been in church for a while, but like when you look at kids' ministry, when you look at, it's the next generation that will be the leaders, the people of the church. Um, and that was Joy and I <laughs> for a long time. We heard that we were the next generation to lead the church, and now we're sitting here in front of you leading ministries. And so when we look at our students, 
we look at our kids, how are we setting up the well to be the next leaders of the church, to be the next people who are in the church rolling up their sleeves and participating and volunteering. And so it's so important to start that now to grow their love for the local church in kids ministry, in student ministry, so then one day they could be sitting on this platform being interviewed about why they're doing kids ministry or student ministry. And so that's why it's important because our students have so much to give and they are the generation right now that is building up in junior high and high school and will soon be in college and then college to the local church where they end up. Yeah, like God is faithful. Let's make, make sure we're faithful this generation as we invest in the next generation. And speak to that tension just a little bit between, you know, this generation and next generation. Like they're the church of today. And uh, I, I'm a I'm a dad, and I've got five kids, and my youngest is a senior in high school. My oldest two are seniors in college. When I look at, they've got their finger on the pulse of culture way more than I do. They're, they're, uh, they're hearing the questions that culture is asking. I'm a student of them. You know, how, how, coach me. How, how am I missing on this generation? Anything you'd add to that? I think that is one of the biggest reasons why we're so passionate about this next generation is because not only do they have a pulse on the culture, but the culture has a pulse on them. And they want to influence our students and our kids. And and we want to have a pulse on our kids as well. And we want them to have character, conviction, and faith. That's what we've kind of been saying throughout our teamwork. By the time they walk through and they graduate, they need character, they need conviction, and they need a strong faith if they're ever going to come back as leaders in the church. Because if they walk away from their faith when they go to college, um, because they don't have the foundation that we should have given them, then it's so much harder to get them back. And, and we believe that we can build those things and we disciple those things in them through all the good things that you, you know happens. And that's biblical knowledge. It's really getting them to be consistent in serving, like Jake mentioned, it's impacted him. And also that core Christian community. Um, and I think those are things that were birthed out of how we were formed and how talking to parents and other staff members, that things that are important to them that their kids are learning. So talk a little bit about what this generation has, the church, has to offer the church moving forward. Jake, why don't you answer that one? Oh, I love this generation. I love our students. Like, I'm, I might be a teeny bias, but we have the best students here at Venture, like, by far. Did you hear that? I know you're up there. Yes! <laughs> I love it. They're like, He's not pandering shamelessly to the crowd <laughs> at all. They're like, can I well say done. anything in church? Um, they have so much to offer. They're so amazing. Even just last week, I took pictures of five of our students serving in the worship room, in the tech room, in the back. And it's just amazing to see them serving the church and to not just be in student ministry on a Sunday morning, but to be in here giving back with their gifts and talents that they have. And they're energetic. They're pumped about being a part of something. And so why not be a part of the greatest thing that's ever been created by Jesus? Like he, his vision of the church was to be a family and to serve each other. And so they have so much to offer. They're so excited about just being a part of something. And so we want them to be a part of the amazing work that's going on here. Yeah. This generation. Moving forward, what are some things that parents, maybe the students themselves, children in our children's ministry, what can they expect to see? Joy, you want to answer that? Yeah. You're going to start seeing us use a tagline that 
It's really, I'm really passionate about, and it's Every Week Matters. And our volunteers have already bought into this so well. That's why we have volunteers that come early or stay later on a Sunday to serve in the kids' wing or help in class with Jake. That's why we have volunteers that come on a Sunday night. They come back. They help throughout the week connecting with their students at soccer games and sporting events. They know that they have a limited amount of time to make an impact on, on our kids and on this next generation. And that phrase, every week matters, was kind of born out of a statistic that we really learned about this past April when us as a staff went to the Orange Conference in Atlanta. And it's that the average church-going child will receive about 50 hours of direct church instruction a year. We would be missing something great if we thought that that was enough time to get them the conviction in their faith that they need to be light, have a lifelong faith. Well, 50 hours. Bounce that off of the number of video game hours invested or the part-time job or the sporting practices. 50 hours, at first blush, sounds like a lot, but it ain't. It's not. No. And I mean, parents, the other part of that statistic is that parents have 3,000 hours of influence that they can have on their child. And now again, we know that there are other things vying for that time. And so we know that it's easy to say that you're the main discipler and you get 3,000 hours. And, but we know that it's so much more difficult than that in practice. So we really want to work hard at being the experts for you so that you can be the experts at this in your own home. And I think going forward, you're going to see not just that tagline, Every Week Matters, but we're going to be creating some new, different family-style events that, one, build community and trust that you need as a family, and then really help you have those difficult faith conversations, social issue conversations that are difficult to have with your child in kind of a safe and easy space. And I, we've got many other things that are coming up, but I won't, I won't take all of our thunder away from Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to recognize that these are our experts. They're experts on kid culture, student culture, because they're students of those things. And as a dad who used to be in one of those roles, I just want to quickly say I'm not an expert in teen culture. I'm not, because I'm not studying it to the same degree that Jake is. This is these are resources in our church to empower and to resource moms and dads, again, to be the chief discipler in their home. And they can lean into this through a lens of expertise to resource us well. Toward that end, a next step next Saturday, right? Saturday night. Give us details on that. What time? It's right here in this space. Right here in this space, Saturday night on the 27th. We are going to be inviting all parents from birth, if you have a kid that was just born even a week ago, all the way through if you have an 18-year-old or a student that's a senior in high school. We want you guys to come. We're going to build some community amongst each other in prayer. We're going to be rolling out some of these events and milestones we want to celebrate. We do have, if you need child care, if that's going to keep you from coming to this event, please email me and let me know. We're going to feed you dinner. It's going to be just a nice, a nice time of just inspiring each other into what is a really important calling. And the next step to sign up for that, if they have not already, would be to, is there a link they hit? or In your church email, if you are on that emailing list, there's a link there. It's also on our website under our links tab. Um, you can go sign up there. Cool. I want to wrap our time together by praying over this moment and praying for, I want to pray for the Scott family again as they step out. Um, 
as a generational leader of student ministry here in our church as he steps out into a new opportunity that God is blessing him with. Uh, let's pray for them on that journey. I want to pray for Jake and his new role and pray for this era of student ministry we're stepping into right now. And I want to pray for our family ministry strategy and for the moms and dads to be chief disciplers in their home and how do we resource them well. Toward that end, would you simply bow your heads and you join us in prayer right now. God, we thank you. We thank you for the generations of your faithfulness that even inside of our lives we can look at and see past, present, and future. God, I pray for this generation, the next generation of church leaders, influencers, this generation of influencers of culture today. Lord, I pray for our students, I pray for our kids, and I pray for our moms and dads as they lean in to the God-giving calling that they've given them. I pray for our team up here on the platform as they invest deeply in that. God, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you, and we thank you for your church, and we thank you for a picture of serving in the context of community and how you grow us up in the faith. And it's in your name, in Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen.